Hey everyone, welcome back to the All Things Gymnastics Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Brittany. And this is the podcast where we talk about all things gymnastics. And this week, we give you some important updates on the upcoming Winter Cup. We talk names to watch at the Nastia Cup, Perfect Tens from Week 7, and the last ever regular season Pac-12 duel between Utah and UCLA. So we hope you all enjoy. So I want to start by making a correction to something that I said in last week's episode, we had a couple people reach out and let us know that the laid out Jaeger, which I said was maybe soon to be named after Shaylee's Jones, unfortunately is in fact not going to be named after Shaylee's Jones because it already has a name and it's had a name for quite a long time. Almost. It's had a name for your entire <laughs> lifetime, actually. Yeah, you know, it, it has. That's a fact. <laughs> And I did not realize it. So the Lightout Jaeger is actually named after a Canadian gymnast, Stephanie Capacitti, who did the skill at the World Championships in 1995. So if you were listening to last week's episode... And you got your hopes up that this was going to be the Jones, <laughs> we regret to inform you that it will not be the Jones. I think we've just been wanting it for so long. We've been wanting the Jones for so long. Shailise has teased so many skills that actually could have been eponymous skills. This was not one of them, though. What's wild about it is I've seen the skill before. Yeah. Because the current world champion does it. 2008 Olympic and even March champion Huka Shin did it. Yeah. So. The second somebody on social media said that, I was like, oh, my God. I was so right. Yeah. I was like, oh, yep. You're right. (laughs) I think, to be fair, the laid out Jaeger is not a ridiculously common skill in elite. Like that is not something that you see in every bar routine. You don't even see it in every competition. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it is a relatively rare skill, I would say. So I think maybe that's why it didn't, you know, fully penetrate the brain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was somewhere in the brain. It was just pushed very, very far back. Yeah. You know, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> so, Thank you to everybody who reached out and let us know so we can make this correction and make sure that we give Stephanie Cappuccini her flowers because she deserves it. And regardless, we're still very excited to see Shailise compete the skill, hopefully, fingers crossed, because I don't know that we've seen an American do it before. Maybe I should I say feel that like you someone's going to come for me because I'm probably wrong about that too. Yeah. I don't recall it. Not in my lifetime with anybody that... I should shut up. Well, apparently in my lifetime, I didn't realize that the current world champion does it. So, you know. Yeah. I, I don't think going off our record of what we've seen in our lifetime is working for us. you're seeing things more than once in your lifetime and you're and not still remembering. not remembering it. Yeah. Okay. So, you know what? We're just going to move on from that. Thank you to everybody who reached out because we, like Ashley said, we want to make sure that we are correct and the things that we are saying on this podcast that's important to us so yes and a good learning opportunity for us with this moment so thank you (laughs) moving along to some winter cup updates which by the way winter cup is this weekend so get hype there's some pretty big updates one suny lee is only going to be doing bars and beam that is according to scott bragman from the olympic channel and he said that her goal at this competition is to get one of those spots for the baku world cup so she can get that full twisted jaeger named after her which i imagine will happen honestly i think there's a possibility that we'll see the full twisting jaeger at winter cup probably because it probably would be a good idea to get some competition experience before she goes and she's in the heat of the moment and she actually has to get it named after her <laughs> so i wouldn't be surprised either which is going to be very exciting if she pulls that out 
Also, I want to paint the visual. I think this is totally unrealistic, but at some point, I would love her to do the full twisting Jaeger into an immediate hard wash. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's possible because right now, what I think she's going for, and Suni is something else, so who knows? She probably can do this. It looks like she's going to cast out of it, go up to a handstand, and then go pack. At least that's what we've seen in videos. But just imagine that she immediately connects it to hard wash. I feel like if anyone could do that, it would be Suni Lee. Full twisting Jaeger to Bahard Wash to Sights. Come on. <laughs> Is that totally unrealistic? Maybe. I think it's slightly Delulu, but with Suni, like you said, you never know because she's always pulling out crazy combinations that we never thought were possible. And she does them actually pretty well. So I feel like you just never know what to expect. <laughs> it could happen. Will it happen? Probably not, but I mean, dream big. <laughs> I respect it. Some other big updates from Winter Cup. We have some withdrawals with the WCC girlies. Zoe Miller and Jordan Childs have pulled out of the competition. So Jordan Childs is out because she tweaked her shoulder. And then Zoe Miller, I don't believe we know what her injury is. I don't think her statement said. So she just pulled out, which definitely makes things interesting, I think, for the all-around podium because we initially had Jordan Childs, at least, on our podium. Yeah. If she was doing all-around, which I guess, to be fair, we didn't know who was doing all-around, but... But so what are your predictions now? How have things changed? So I still think Gabby and Sky are on the podium in some capacity, potentially in that order. But either way, like in some capacity, I have them on my podium if they're both doing the all-around, which Gabby is, but Sky, we don't, we don't know. know. My other podium spot, I kind of want to say Kalia Lincoln, just because she has been on a roll and I feel like has always lingered among the top gymnasts in the United States, despite not having the most consistent beam or the highest scoring bar routine. Her floor and her vault is spectacular. And I think that that usually, if she hits everything else, is enough to keep her in the mix. So I feel like in a field that isn't as stacked... She could absolutely find herself on that all-around podium if she's able to hit. Well, and there's also been some additions since last week's episode that I think could also potentially be in the mix for an all-around medal. I'm just going to go ahead and read all of the names that have been added, but there's Risa Sponda. And she's a senior now, right? Yeah, she is. Our triple back queen. Maybe she'll bust that out at Winter Cup. <laughs> I don't have any reason to think she's going to, but, you know, dream big. I mean, it did look good from what we've seen. We've never seen her doing it on a comp surface, though, so I feel like that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot to ask for right now, but in the future, absolutely. Kayla DiCello has a great shot at the podium in this meet. Not me forgetting about Kayla DiCello. I mean, I know you said she was added, but yeah. I... When we made our initial prediction, she wasn't a thing at Winter Cup. I would maybe actually potentially put her on the podium, I think she has a great shot. I oh, think over, Trinity. Yeah, Trinity, but Trinity's more difficult because it's been so long since we've seen her do elite gymnastics. We don't really know fully what her difficulty is going to be like, how she's going to be able to hit that difficulty. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I just feel like there's a lot more unknowns with Trinity, so it's possible, absolutely. I don't know if I necessarily see it. You don't feel confident enough to predict it, but you wouldn't be, like, totally thrown off if it happened. Yeah, so I'm going to be very happy if it happened. But I feel like Kalia Lincoln or Kayla DiCello would make sense. Actually, now I'm changing up. I think I'm going to go with Kayla DiCello over Kalia. But if Sky ends up not doing the all-around, then that could leave room for both of them. These are all names they if doing all around, will absolutely be in the mix to get on the metal podium. <laughs> yes. Also, there's Lexi's Ice. Yes. Let me finish reading the list. So Malia Trussell, who's a junior, Cammie Westerman, Cleese Wolford, 
and then Lexi's Ice. And I think Lexi's Ice could get on the podium as well. She's a little bit of a sleeper pick. Mm-hmm. She but won she won last, last year. year. And it was Jinx, a- you want me a soda? <laughs> Has anyone heard that phrase before? I know that's like a really old phrase. We used to say that as kids. Well, not a soda because we don't like pop. But like, Jinx, you owe me a milkshake. I'm like, did we say that? Yeah. You don't remember that? Not really. I mean, I know the phrase. I've heard the phrase. But like, I can't. you're acting like this is like a core memory for us as children. And I just don't. I mean, it wasn't a core memory, but we definitely said it. It's what you do when you say something at the same time. Right. I got that part. All right. But (laughs) (laughs) anyways, we were saying Lexi's Ice is in the mix as well because she won last year yes and so if she does the all-around like you gotta factor her in as well so that's the fun thing about winter cop is i feel like this is the meat for people to throw big skills they've never done before some of these people that are like quote unquote on the brink of being a top all-arounder in the u.s this is their chance to shine because you don't have shaylee's you don't have simone you don't have jocelyn robertson you don't have jordan childs jade carey you know the people that have like the past several years been the top all-arounders so it's going to be interesting and a lot of fun to watch. Winter Cup is the time to throw new skills, do crazy things. Like, you're not going to see that as we get closer to the Olympic trials. No, this is like the time because this meet is very low stakes, I feel. So that's what makes it so exciting. So the Winter Cup schedule, we'll just go ahead and read the whole thing just in case someone wants to watch the men's competitions as well. But Friday, February 23rd at 1.30 Eastern Time is the senior men's division of the Winter Cup. Then that night at 7, which is going to conflict with all of the college gymnastics things, particularly LSU Florida that's on at the exact same time. Oof. Yeah, this might be one that we go back and watch. Maybe don't oh, watch yeah, live. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I am definitely watching Florida LSU live. But it's the Winter Cup junior women's division. That's 7 p.m. Eastern time. Then on Saturday, we have the main event at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. That's the senior women's division. That night at 6.30 Eastern Time is the Elite Team Cup and then junior men. And then rounding things out on Sunday, February 25th at noon Eastern Time is the Nasty Lucan Cup. Which I'm very excited is on a Sunday and not Friday because the past several years they've had that on Friday in the middle of all the college gymnastics chaos. And I feel like this is the meet where you see all of the stars of the future for college gymnastics. Oh, absolutely. So. And even in elite. If you look at all the Nastia Cups past, 98% maybe I would say go on to be like stars in college or they go on to have successful elite careers. We've seen it all. They've all been successful in some capacity. Yeah, so it's like the Nasty Lucan Cup in many ways is the launching pad for that success. Yeah, it's a really good indicator of you know, who's going to be good in the future, whether that be elite or in college. So um, real quickly, we're going to shout out some names that we think you should have your eye on. I think you can't talk about the Nastia Cup without talking about the fact that Oklahoma has six qualifiers. (laughs) So basically, like, their next two incoming classes, anybody who's on scholarship for the next two years at Oklahoma is at the Nastia Cup. Yep. So if you were, like, hoping for the downfall of Oklahoma gymnastics anytime soon, I hate to break it to you, but it's not happening. Hope for something else. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anything else, not this. It's They are going to be amazing for years to come because of these athletes. Before I read their names, I'm just going to say that we have this in like graphic form. Basically, who at the Nastia Cup is committed to a college. We can't post it yet because there's still one more qualifier, I think, happening. And we're also waiting for some names to be confirmed. Yeah. Like we looking at results, I think I know who from this past weekend qualified, but... Either they haven't posted it themselves or 
that or and the nasty looking cup website also hasn't released them so i feel like i don't want to like assume you know but if you're interested in like who's all committed and how many people are uncommitted we have a little graphic made that is going to be posted very soon that breaks it all down so be on the lookout for that but back to oklahoma's commits i think there's a really strong possibility that the winner could come from oklahoma's commits that the whole podium could come from oklahoma's <laughs> commits not necessarily going to happen but like it yeah because there's some really really strong athletes <laughs> outside of the oklahoma commits so for the class of 24s for oklahoma there's al mueller kelsey slade and lily peterson and then for their 25s mackenzie Eastep, camila pavlock and ella murphy so some pretty uh top-notch athletes right there pretty solid class next in line at least as it stands now with the most commitments would be Michigan and Arkansas. Both have two. We believe, and this is one of those ones where it's not confirmed and the athlete hasn't posted it, so not 100%, but I believe Utah is now going to be jumping up on this list as well. Yeah, we are looking for confirmation, but we think Zoe Johnson qualified. And she's actually in the class with Avery Neff. Who won the competition last year with Kaylin Chio, who was out this year with an injury. So we're not going to see Kaylin Chio. Um, but Avery Naff has the possibility of being the first back-to-back winner of the Nastia Cup. Has that really never happened? So Haley Bryant has won twice, but not back-to-back. That's right. There was a year in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. she won in 2018 and 2020. I feel like I thought that Alex McMurtry back in the day had back-to-back. Mm-mm. No, I think she only ever won it once. Making that up, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> there's been several athletes that have qualified, like, multiple times. Oh, yeah. There's a bunch. There's people that, like, their whole level 10 careers, they qualified to the Nastia Cup. And that's how you know they're really good. <laughs> yeah. But as far as winning back-to-back years, it hasn't happened before. So be on the lookout for Avery Neff to potentially do that. It could very well happen. <laughs> back to the commits for colleges. Michigan has Jazara Ranger, who's a 24 and then Sofia Diaz, who is a 25. Who I'm very excited about and I think is underrated. In the sense that I feel like her gymnastics has really started to reach its full potential at the end of last Level 10 season. So she won her division of Level 10 Nationals. And then this year so far, she's gotten career highs and I think almost every single event, if not a couple events, and qualified to her first Nastia Cup. So she's one of those athletes that is just getting better and better. And I really could see her contending kind of as like a sleeper option mm-hmm. for that podium. And watch out for her Yurchenko one and a half on vault if she does it. It's huge. Like among the best, among the most floatiest. It's going to go down <laughs> as one of the greatest Yurchenko one and a halfs of all time in college. Like on our, our current list of bomb ass Yurchenko one and a half. Sophia Diaz is already going to be contending for that. I can just know <laughs> it. For Arkansas, both 25s, Allison Cucci and Avery Kane. Other names to look for, of course, mentioned Avery Nafferetti, Utah commit, but also Nina Ballou, who's a class of 25 for LSU. And I want Nina to win. I just think that she is due for it. She has been such a consistency queen. She has been one of the most iconic level 10s. She was not there last year. I don't know if it was because of injury or or she She didn't didn't qualify. I don't know what happened last year, but we were all robbed of that experience because one of my favorite things about the Nastia Cup has been the past several years watching Nina Blue on floor. <laughs> and just Nina Blue in yeah. general. Such big fans. She's so. so fun to watch. She's very, very entertaining. And she's a former podcast guest, if you guys did not know that. Um, whatever platform you listen to the podcast on, you can search, you know, Nina Blue interview or all things Jim Pod interview, Nina Blue, something of that sort, and you can go ahead and listen to it because she was great. Um, but that's not why I want her to win. <laughs> 
I promise you that. She's I just, just genuinely good. love her gymnastics. I feel like she should have already been an Nastia Cup champion by now. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. Like, I just feel like she's due for that. And maybe, after being robbed of that experience last year, it feels like this is the year. <laughs> yeah, so. maybe this will be your year. Kentucky has a commit with Gabby Van Freyen with Kentucky on the rise right now and how well they're doing. Really looking forward to seeing like the future of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Mizzou also has a commit with Lisa Seibert. And there's some other schools as well that are like not necessarily top ranked programs, but have commits here at the Nastia Cup, which I think is a good sign. Super impressive. Yeah. Utah State, San Jose State, Penn State, West Virginia. And like we said, the Nastia Cup consistently when you look back produces some of the greatest athletes for the programs that they end up going to so whether it's a top team and they're winning national championships or it's a lower ranked team a team that's not in the top you know 15 or 20 these athletes end up doing really big things for their program so this is something that like I personally get really excited to see every year. Um, it's where the younger ones commit, the, the little juniors who are the pink Leo, where they end up committing in the future. And then also the athletes that are uncommitted right now that are going to be committing this upcoming year, 2026s. And like you just said, the athletes that are committed to, you know, a quote unquote lower ranked program. I guess I don't have to say quote unquote, because I guess that would be a fact. <laughs> it is a lower yeah, ranked program. They are. But... You just know they're going to do really big things for those programs, and they're going to be stars in college. So very excited to follow that. Moving on to the Cairo World Cup and a very exciting bit of news. Hillary Heron, we mentioned, was doing the one and a half twisting double back with the intention of getting it named after her in Cairo. And she did it. And it was amazing. Officially the Heron. And it was so good. I actually want to say it was better than the video we saw that she posted a couple days prior in training. Absolutely. It was way more upright. Yeah. She did it way better in competition. So Queen, we love that for her. And I'm very excited to see what her routine composition is going to look like going into the Olympics because I think that she has the potential to be contending for a spot in the floor final at the Olympics with some of the greatest athletes in the world. But I think with this extra added difficulty in her routine, you know, having the Heron and then also doing the Biles one, maybe she did a double layout as her second pass. I could see that becoming like a full twisting double A. She did say that she was training that that's how she learned the Biles one was by doing full twisting double A. So like, I feel like the sky's the limit for Hillary Heron. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of one of those athletes that, you know, could be on the brink of qualifying to the Olympic floor final. And so I feel like she just needs that little bit of difficulty to push her over the edge. Because I have no doubt that she can be consistent and that she can hit a powerful, clean routine with really difficult tumbling. Because that's what she just does. You know what I mean? Like, right. she's really, really solid on floor. She just needs that little push in terms of difficulty. So I'm very, very excited to see what she's going to do. Cairo, of course, is also an opportunity for athletes to earn points to hopefully qualify to Paris. So currently, who's leading the points? And then obviously, of course, as more World Cups happen, more athletes will get points. Some athletes might lose, well, not lose points, but get less points. You'll see some shifts in these rankings. This is going to change a lot. This is only after the first World Cup. Yeah, this is after Cairo. So here's who is leading. Now, this first name is an athlete from North Korea. We looked up how to pronounce the name to the best of our ability. So we may be wrong. And if we are, we apologize for that. And if you know how to pronounce it, please let us know so we can correct it going forward. By So leading the vault rankings with 30 points is Anchan Oke. Leading the uneven bars rankings with 30 points is Georgia Rose Brown from New Zealand. Leading the balance beam results, 
again with 30 points is Nina Derweil from Belgium. And then leading the floor results with 30 points from the Philippines is MML Buyo, which we are very excited about. So those are the leaders after World Cup number one. You know, we'll have to keep following to see how things shift around. There's a lot of gymnastics that still has to happen. Absolutely. There's four more. Well, there's now there's three more World Cups because there's four total. So lots of movement that could still happen. But that's where we stand right now. Okay, moving on to this weekend in college gymnastics. We're not going to go through and like individually break down all of the competitions that we watched, but just talk some highlights. And I think one of the highlights was many tens and a lot of tens that we were very happy about yeah. this weekend. So we had Raina Worley. She got the first 10 of her career on bars. And I feel like now that the judges have given her a 10 on floor, she has two tens on floor from this season. Yeah. But now that that's happened, I feel like the floodgates have opened and now the judges just know that it's okay to give her a 10, which is dumb. Like it should not be that way at all. Right. <laughs> if you do a perfect routine, you deserve a perfect score. Just like if you don't do a perfect routine, you don't deserve a perfect score. I don't have a problem with this 10 for Raina Worley. I think some people were saying that her handstands weren't hundred percent perfect. And I could see that. Like, I think it could be a nine, five i also am not entirely mad about the 10 i think reyna has done so many perfect routines on every single event throughout her four years and she had never been awarded a 10 yeah she's just now being rewarded for it so we're happy for her we're here for i just think it's funny that that's how this works with judges it's like truly i think my theory is correct it takes a lot of courage (laughs) to give that first 10 and once someone does it everybody else for the rest of time when I say everybody else, I mean the judges. Every judge that judges Raina Worley going forward knows that it's okay to give her a 10 because she's gotten 10s before now. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, don't tell me that's not a thing because it is a thing. It, you're right. It probably is. How did she go four years without getting a single 10 and now she has three in the span of a couple weeks? You know what I mean? Yeah. They're like, thank goodness. Like, finally, no, like- someone did it. Someone just gave her the 10, so now we can all do it. Yeah, they have permission. I mean, I'm here for it. She deserves it, so... Another person that deserves it is Mara Titarsoli from Mizzou. Got the first 10 ever from Mizzou on Uneven Bars. And because of that, she is now the first gymnast in NCAA history to score the first 10 ever on that event for two different teams because she got the first 10 ever for LIU on bars. And then now she's done that same thing at Mizzou. And so she's not the first athlete to get two 10s for two different programs. I don't remember off the top of my head. I think Ben Schluter on X pointed this out. Um, And I don't remember. I don't have the tweet in front of me who that athlete was. But there was an athlete back in history that had gotten a 10 for two different programs. So Mara's not the first to do that. She is, like Ashley just said. The the first first, to get the first. The first (laughs) to get the first for two different programs, which is very iconic. Such a flex. And she did so with the tenniest 10 routine that I've ever seen. So good. Mara's the kind of athlete that if she doesn't step on the dismount, it's perfect. So, so good. My jaw was on the floor when I watched that. The way that she does the half pirouette on the low bar and directly hits the handstand, nobody does it like her. I genuinely don't think anybody does it like her. It's so good. The way that she does everything. It's the handstands. It's the toe point. It's... When we were watching her routine live, Brittany literally made like an audible gasp. Yeah, it was so, so good. So beautiful. (laughs) And like I said, the tenniest 10. There are very few routines that I would put in the category of tenniest 10. That was one of them. 
I agree. So shout out to Mara for that. <laughs> Gabby Wilson from Michigan also got a 10 on floor, her second of the season. She is also somebody who gives you the tenniest tens on floor because she has no deductions in her leaps. Like her leaps are above 180, her jumps, I should say, above 180 really controlled landings on all of her tumbling passes. So Gabby Wilson is also an athlete. Along with Maya Huen, she also comes to mind. They give mm-hmm. you the tenniest tens on an event. <laughs> so Gabby followed Sierra Brooks's 9975, which, first of all, this was the meet that was not being streamed. We were there, which is how we saw it. But I will say that Sierra's 9975 was like probably not accurate. She definitely had a slide of her front foot. And it was tiny. Yeah. But it was more like a big lunge type thing. Like we she, noticed it was, that. It was disguised well, but it was definitely... Like, the fact that one judge went 10 for that, I was a little surprised. Mm-hmm. I was thinking like 995, 9925. Oh, and then we knew at that point that if Gabby Wilson just hit her routine, that she was also going to get a, like a full... Oh, she was going to get the full-blown 10. Yeah. Well, because you have to at that rate. <laughs> yeah. And Gabby's 10, like I said, the tenniest of 10s. It was great. And that routine is on our Instagram page and also our X page, if you want to see it. And we have other routines as well. So if there's anybody in particular that you're wanting to see, we were posting the highlights from that meet because we know that people couldn't watch it. But between us and our friend Jacob, we got video of every single routine from Michigan. I we didn't get any records besides I think I got Emily Lisa on vault. But anyways, if you want to see any routines, let us know and we can send them to you. Other 10s from the weekend, Aaliyah Finnegan got a 10 on floor, her first 10 of the season. Reagan Smith got a 10 on beam, her first 10 of the season. Selena Harris got a 10 on vault, back-to-back 10s for her on vault. And she's really finding her groove this year. I feel like last year, she wasn't always getting the landings. Like, she would do a good routine. And I'm not just talking about vault, but in general, like she would always do her routine and then not stick the dismount on beam or, you know, even bars. And this year, she's just been so solid. The fact that she stuck two vaults back-to-back and got 10s for both is iconic shit. Now she needs to get a 10 on a different event. I think she could be on Perfect 40 Watch. I think that would be a lot to ask for. But her bars I've been impressed with. She hits the handstands. She leaves no doubt in the judge's mind. Like, she is holding that shit fully. So her bars has been great. Her beam this weekend wasn't the best, but... Typically, her beam has been amazing, and she's been sticking the dismount. I think her floor passes have been improving. She, this week, did not under-rotate any of them. She had her chest up, I feel like, for the most part. So, if the judges, were, if the judges were feeling it, they could have given the routine a 10. Selena Harris, perfect 40 watch. You heard it here first. <laughs> and then the last 10 that creeped in, right as we were getting ready to go to bed, is from Southern Connecticut. And this is the first 10 ever in their program's history, period, regardless of event. And only the second perfect 10 for a Division II athlete in history. And this honor goes to Gigi Mastalone. So congratulations, Gigi. That is absolutely incredible. Division II perfect 10s are, like, so, so incredibly rare. Like I said, we've only seen it happen once before. And I can't even say that we've seen it because I think it happened... When I was, like, hardly alive, so... Or, like, hardly (laughs) functioning. Hardly alive? Because I was, like, probably, like, five or something at the time. Are you hardly alive when you're five? That's concerning. Yeah. When you're five, you don't have, like, brain capacity. (laughs) You don't... You don't process anything. You're not watching gymnastics, Division Two gymnastics, at the age of five. I understand that. It's the hardly alive part that's getting me. (laughs) I'm making the point of how long ago it was. So this is iconic stuff right here. Other shout outs, other iconic stuff from the weekend. 
Bella Minervini from Towson went 9975 on bars. And Towson had a great meet. They posted a season high on vault, bars, beam, and with their team score, a 1966. So shout out to Towson and shout out to Bella Minervini. Also shout out to Emily Shepard. She set the new all-around program record for NC State with a 37.75. Thanks in large part to her 9.975 on bars. She also got a 9.9 on ball, 9.95 on beam, and 9.925 on floor. Look at you go, yeah. Okay, memory. (laughs) I did that all for memory. Good job. So the bars score, the 9.975, got to give a shout out to, you already mentioned them, but Ben Schluter. He is like... So good when it comes to stats. He pulls things out so quickly that I really need to figure out how he stores all this information. How how does he get it so quickly? It's really impressive. I learned a lot from him. Yes. I I screenshotted this. So he pointed out that the last gymnast from NC State to get a 9975 on bars was Kelly Brown on March 11th, 2000. And then she did it again on March 3rd, 2001. So it's been a long, long time that an NC State gymnast has scored. (laughs) <laughs> that high well and also just for the acc in general like chloe negretti i think it was last season she got a 9975 on floor but we don't see 9975s or 10s in the acc hardly ever so well i mean the acc is new but we get what you're saying no i, well, I mean, formerly the eagle and well acc teams is what i'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. i'm like well the acc is new no so. stop you know what i meant i mean like the acc teams like those yeah. teams don't historically get those types of scores no so. right for real um also her all-around score breaks courtney bumpers 39.725 which she did back in 2004 so again it's been a long time since NC State has seen these kind of numbers. Did we mention their team score? No, but we should because their 197575 is not only a massive score that's very nationally competitive, uh-huh. but it helped them to win the first ever regular season ACC title. And I think solidifies that they are the top contender going for that ACC championship title this year. Although I am very excited because I do think that Clemson has a shot. Clemson has actually looked really, really good this year. The number of 10-0 start values they have, if it's not a 10-0 start value, it's a really nice Yurchenko full. Like, better Yurchenko fulls than a lot of top teams are even putting in their lineups right now. Well, they're starting to find the landings. We're starting to see the bigger scores come in for Clemson. Absolutely. They were towards the top of my list, I think, for ACC contenders. I think NC State is definitely separating themselves a little bit as the favorites as long as they do their normal. Totally. But I just want to say that Clemson is very much in the mix. So, like, don't be surprised if that happens because you know that they're going to be hungry. Like, that ACC championships is going to be so intense. And I expect their fans to turn out. I don't know who's hosting ACCs. But I, I don't know ex- off the top of my head, but I expect the Clemson fans to show up and show out because there's just been so much hype around this program. Their crowds with their homemates have been incredible. So I expect them to have all the support they can possibly have going into this ACC championships. Technically not the first. There was an ACC championships back in like the 80s or something. But it's like basically the first. It feels <laughs> like the first. It's definitely been a very, very long time. So super excited. That's honestly going to be one of my most anticipated conference championships i think i'm just excited for conference championships in general because i feel like every single one is so unpredictable secs big tens uh, big 12s is pretty obvious oklahoma pack 12s though no I mean, literally every single one mac yeah. every single conference championship i i it could go like so many ways so that makes it very exciting yes it's very gonna be much. a very very long day of gymnastics but very fun hopefully that's always my favorite day of the year so 
Looking well, forward to it. Speaking of, you know, the competition and the competition in the Pac-12, we had our last ever regular season dual meet between UCLA and Utah. Tears. It's very sad. This has been one of my favorite meets to watch every single year. Is this UCLA Utah matchup in the regular mm-hmm. season? And, and it they might said happen that they're still. Again. They did. I think they said that they still plan on doing it. But it's not going to be the same. No, because oftentimes this meet, and I know Cal this year, and and honestly the last couple of years has been more in the mix. But historically speaking, UCLA Utah have dominated the Pac-12, and this meet in recent years, whenever the regular season title became a thing. This meet is usually the one that decides it for the most part. You know what I mean? Because these are the top two teams historically, quote unquote. And like I said, I know Cal this year and really last year, the last couple of years has been more in the mix. Um, And I actually think that Cal has a really good chance of winning it outright this year, period. But that's another story. (laughs) That's part of what makes this meet so intense and so fun is that there's always so much on the line. And there's so much history to it, too. So definitely, like, sad to watch it, knowing that it's the last with these teams in the Mm Pac-12. But I think the Pac-12 championships is also going to be really emotional. Like, I think there's Mm going to be tears from a lot of people. Yeah, you catch me on the wrong day, I probably will be crying. (laughs) I mean, I'll be at Big Tens, so maybe it won't be as emotional if I happen to look on Twitter and see what happens. But see, this is going to be later at night, because Pac-12 championships are usually later because of the time. So what you're saying is... So you're going to be home watching it, and you will be crying, I think. You know, I think there's a strong possibility of it. <laughs> but with this duel between you saw, you saw, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm making up schools. Utah and UCLA. That's literally like, um, what do they call it? When there's two celebrities, they like ship them. Oh, like a ship name? Yeah. You saw. But you saw, it's Utah and who? Like, what would the saw be? The U in UCLA is like. Oh, I see. Yeah, like you saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's I don't a, think that's quite right, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah well, yeah. to be fair, I wasn't trying to say it. <laughs> <laughs> it just came out. <laughs> Anyways, Utah won with a 1973. UCLA posted a 196.975. Kind of a low scoring meet for both of these teams. Yeah, I think that they got caught with a accurately scored meet. We talked about this in previous episodes. I think that. This was one of those meets that if you were going to go 9-9, you had to earn it. Like, they were not going to give you a 9-9 just for hitting your routine. You had to have straight legs. You had to stick your dismount. You had to have no wobbles. You had to hit every handstand. Like, you had to earn your 9-9s, which that's how it should be. Like, this is what we're asking for. Um, and I wanted to say, I don't think a one nine seven three type score, but that's what Utah got, is a bad score. Like, I think that our expectations have been altered to a point where we're so used to seeing teams go one nine eight or close to one nine eight. For routines that, like, for overall performances that were not perfect or close to perfect. Like, a team that is not sticking every single vol, every single landing on every event, for the most part, maybe with the exception of a couple, that should not be a 198 performance or close to it. That's mm-hmm. like a giving mid-197 to low-197. And I just want to say that I don't think that's a bad thing. Like, I think we need to start taking back our perspective on what is considered good and what's considered great you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. a 1973 is not a bad score it's a hit meet for utah they did not do i think what they were hoping to do like they could have done a lot better oh they left a lot of tents out on the floor but so did ucla honestly and that was frustrating because i i had utah coming out on top but if anybody was going to be able to capitalize it was ucla on floor and i feel like they did not 
capitalize. Yeah, they had two out-of-bounds routines with Emily Lee and Brooklyn Moores. And then Emma Andres had, like, an under-rotated pass that, like I said, because the judges were taking all of the deductions, like, you were not going to get, you know, a 9-9 for that type of routine, as you should. But mm-hmm. um, I feel like Utah definitely opened the door for UCLA to capitalize throughout the entire competition. Really, the first rotation on bars, vault, they didn't stick any. Beam, they had some good routines um i some i felt were a little bit underscored yeah uh scoring was a little bit low in general on beam i was a little bit not surprised because like you said it's uh, technically it's accurate scoring but it's not what you're used to seeing so you have to like check yourself i was expecting this to be like a 198 meet especially with the way that ucla started on vault because they were on fire on vault sticking landings great vaults in the air yeah 49.525 season high for them also, Selena's 10, we mentioned. So, like, they started out great. But then, like, from there, UCLA just was giving it away. And Utah was giving it back to them in some ways. Like, it was still a close meet into the last rotation. Utah, like we mentioned, good on floor. They really started to pick up the pace there. And then Beam, I think that wasn't there, like, 100% best. But also, like, was not bad. It was just judges taking deductions for everything. Um, and UCLA on floor, their best event not really capitalizing which allowed utah to come away with the win so congrats to utah you've got to mention that ucla is without mml Buyo right now which also i think does not help and also shea campbell on floor yeah so definitely not their full strength team but like you said there was definitely a door that was open a little bit for them to step up and take this last ever dual meet title and i think it just got away from them a little bit we have some exciting interviews that we're planning right now but we shouldn't say it no we're not gonna say it but I am going to post it right now for Patreon supporters, at least one of them. You so can, make sure... You can honestly post both. Whatever. We'll I'll do them separate them. so people can comment if Well, they that's have... what I meant. That's what I meant. So Anyways. if you're a Patreon, a Gold Double Patreon, go to the app and leave your questions, if you have any, for two of our upcoming guests. And I have some news as well that I'm waiting for the perfect time to announce. Like very big news. Yes. Like very, very big news. Life news. Making moves news. <laughs> that you guys will know soon. Yeah, I'm. I can't. And well, I mean, I could announce it now, but I don't want to. I gotta take care of business first, and then you gotta play those. Cards I gotta right? make the moves before I make the moves. You know. Yeah. That made zero sense. No, it did not. <laughs> People have no idea. Okay. We're done. Yeah, this is so sorry. This has been very rambly. (laughs) I think we're tired. It's nine o'clock at night and it's been a long day. We appreciate you all listening. And cheers to week eight of College Gymnastics and the Winter Cup. That does it for this week's episode. We hope you all enjoyed it. And of course, as always, we have to say thank you to our lovely Patreon supporters. We wouldn't be able to do it without you guys and your support. So Thank you so, so much. And we apologize that we haven't posted anything on Patreon in a month. That has now changed, though, because like Ashley just said, we have two interviews coming up, and those are now on the Patreon app, so you can see who it is and submit your questions. And as soon as those interviews are done, we hope to have them uploaded early on the Patreon app. So trying to get back in the swing of things regularly for our Patreon supporters. We haven't done interviews in a minute. Yes. (laughs) Very excited to be getting back to that. Next week, we'll be back to talk about all of the latest happenings from college gymnastics to the Winter Cup. So make sure that you are following us on whatever listening platform you get your podcasts so you can make sure that you don't miss an episode. We hope everyone has a lovely week and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.